0: Welcome to the Flourishing Together podcast where we consider journeys of hope and stewardship in education. Each episode I'm joined by colleagues in the world of education to explore a different topic where I'll be asking for their wisdom and their top tips. Thank you for journeying with us and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a real joy today to welcome Rebecca Swansbury. Rebecca, hello.
1: Hi there. It's lovely to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Um, So would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Rebecca Swansbury, and I am the schools officer for the Diocese of Canterbury, which basically means I've got the same job as Ryan, just in a different diocese. But I'm responsible for RE, collective worship, SIAMs and all the things that go with Christian character in our 104 schools. Uh, And I'm also really privileged that I get to work very closely with Rochester Diocese, so I'm often supporting them and their schools, along with their advisor, uh, Virginia too. So I have been a primary school teacher since 2001, Uh, I've lived and breathed school, and I've led on collective worship and RE in those schools during that time, and so collective worship for me is a real passion, and I have spent most of lockdown in this yellow chair recording collective worship videos for the schools in Canterbury and Rochester Diocese to support them in leading worship in their classroom during um, the kind of craziness of lockdown. So, yeah, it's a real privilege to be here and thank you for having me.
0: Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Rebecca. And I know you come here with a real wealth and knowledge and expertise. So I'm so delighted that you can contribute to the series and Today we're going to be talking a little bit about pupil-led worship and it's something that I've been really interested in for a long time. I I think back to my own setting and my own experience of facilitating and planning collective worship and pupil-led worship was something which was really valued and core to to our provision. And I know it's an area that many schools are looking to develop uh, and to think about within their own context. And Mm -hmm. I've been really heartened by it, heartened by the reference to it rather in the new science evaluation schedule, where it states that pupils should have the opportunity to be actively involved in the planning and leading of collective worship. And I'd love to discuss with you because I know you've thought about this quite a lot yourself. What do you understand by pupil-led worship and and why do you think it's important? Uh,
1: Great question. Well, like you, I'm really glad that it is um, front and centre in the Siam schedule, that they really value it, that as a a good, amazing, super-duper Church of England school, pupils are at the heart of worship and are involved in the planning and the leading and the evaluation of it. And I know firsthand, as many of you, I'm sure, do as well, know that actually pupils have got so much to offer to their peers and to us as staff and adults. So it is really important and that I am really passionate about pupil led worship. But for me, pupil led worship is um, where pupils lead worship from the outset, where they plan it, where they are involved, where they take ownership of it. And it's theirs. It isn't where they've been given uh, a script that's been written by an adult, time to practice it, and then basically they're just delivering somebody else's words. Now that has got its place, but actually for me, it is where uh, worship is organic and natural and where children feel comfortable to lead worship um, rather than produce a highly polished um, performance. You know, for Christians, worship is about giving glory to God and honour. And so it needs to be something that is beautiful and full of joy. But there really is a fine line between being prepared and giving honour and glory and a polished performance. So I would much rather see children kind of make mistakes, get things wrong, have some fun with leading worship, Then it be kind of a Broadway worthy performance. You know, it should be from the pupils, it should be their voice so you know there is still that space and it's important that pupils are enabled to be part of worship spontaneously so who would like to light the candle today would anybody like to say a prayer I'm going to do some drama come on who wants to be part of the disciples that's still really important and having pupils involved at every part is still crucial but what I'm really hard you know hot on and really passionate about is where pupils are involved in the kind of grassroots you know the the initial planning the discussion the thinking what's going to be the message how are we going to deliver it and then um, delivering it so you know that's what I think pupil worship is pupil-led worship but why is it important well here in Canterbury Diocese we talk about children being fellow pilgrims that you know they are pilgrims on a journey with adults not behind, not in front, but together, um, and they're not empty vessels that need filling or being done to. So, you know, we talk a lot about um, this in our diocese, and I know this is a, you know, a thought that is shared wider than just Canterbury Diocese, and we often reference um, a man called Robert Coles, who's written a lot about spirituality and children in worship, and he says this, children are active agents who walk with adults on the journey of life and he suggests that children's are, children are spiritual pilgrims who march through life as they seek God, ask questions, discover answers and wonder about what lies ahead of them and these quotes and thinking tell me that pupils and children and young people have got such a richness to bring to worship and I know that adults have got so much to learn from them and then also why is it important well most importantly Jesus he welcomed the children in fact it was in my bible reading this morning it said about you know Adults, people need to be like children, be like the little child. You know, you can't get into the kingdom of heaven if you're not like a child. And he also welcomed children. He valued them. He wanted to listen to them. He wanted them to sit and learn from them and hit them to learn from him. It was a two way thing. So actually, we can take that example from Jesus by welcoming the children, listening to them and actually being like them. So, you know, that's why it's important. Jesus thought it was important. It's important that we can learn from them. But also it's really important because actually what you're doing is providing a really safe space for them to develop so many great skills. You know, responsibility, public speaking, leadership, teamwork, planning and communication skills. For me, pupil-led worship involves everyone all faiths and none uh, and those who are confident at being upfront leaders but also those who prefer to be behind the scenes and I know you know speaking personally school worship when I was a young person was my training ground you know and also being in church and leading things I was given that um, you know, moment to to have that responsibility of someone trusting me enough to say, do you know what? Let's listen to Rebecca. Let's let her lead this song or lead this part or lead this prayer. And if it wasn't for those opportunities, I don't know whether I probably still would be doing what I am now. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's about having that trust and that understanding that these children have got so much in them That we can share and learn from so let them do it so that's why I think it's important um, that we hear their voice because they've got so much to offer us
0: that's brilliant thank you ever so much Rebecca I think there's uh, there's so much to take away from that I know for me some you know certain things really resonated with my own experience of being in school and establishing as you said kind of this grassroots pupil-led worship group and I loved your phrase about you know, pupils, they're already spiritual beings and they have, yep. you know, they're fully able to engage with worship and to lead worship. And that's so much more powerful and important than thinking when actually you're empty vessels that us as adults are just here to fill you spiritually. You know, it's kind of like a deficit model there, but thinking, no, you're, you're amazing. You, you are spiritual beings, you know, and we're a part of a community and we want to give opportunities for you to, to facilitate lead, be a part of, because we are that community. And think again of that grassroots and if I kind of look back at my experience you know a few years on now you know looking back hopefully a little bit wiser certainly a few more grey hairs I think that pupil led worship in my context was something which was really valued and it really enriched the provision and you know as you said it was fun and pupils loved it staff loved it it was great But I do feel, looking back, that it was something that we rushed. It was kind of, we want to do this. How do we do it? I've never done it before. You know, probably in hindsight, I didn't draw on wisdom of other school leaders or advisors who had approached it before. And we got together a really keen group and we jumped straight in. And there were teething issues. You know, there's there's, there's Mm. no two ways about it. There were teething issues that if I were to have my chance again, I would have done it a little bit differently. So I wonder from your perspective, I know I got a lot particularly from reading your, your lovely William and Lucy series, <laughs> uh, all about leading collective worship in schools. And you know, for me, this really stood out because it gave a, a clear framework or set of directions for how we could establish pupil-led worship in our context. So I wonder from your perspective, for those schools that are interested in exploring and establishing pupil-led worship in their schools, how might they go about it
1: um okay big big question there <laughs> but i think it, it's worth remembering as well and um, that you know many schools have opportunities for pupils to lead worship where their class are sharing their learning for example or they've practiced a script that's been given to them and that's still you know important but i'm really talking about where pupils lead from the heart And it's their voice. So the book that you've just showed, William and Lucy, came about because of that thinking. You know, how can we actually support and enable pupils to lead worship? Um, Well, they need to understand what worship is. They need to understand what the pattern is. They need to understand why we do what we do. And that's kind of where it came from. But I think the first thing that I would say to anybody who wants to start, um, you know, Including pupils as leaders of worship is, you know, as you said, Ryan, number one, don't rush it, spend time. And, I'll, you know, we can talk about that a bit more in a minute about investing time in them, but also don't be frightened of it, just do it. And I think, you know, naturally as teachers, we want to kind of control the situation. We want to make sure that whatever our class do in front of other classes or other teachers needs to be brilliant and perfect. Otherwise it might reflect bad on us as an adult. So actually we need to let go of that. We need to actually forget that it's it's not a performance. This is worship. And it's that time, that personal time um, that's invitational where we can gather. So it isn't about a performance. It isn't about being better than the class that went last week. It's actually about allowing pupils to be free and comfortable to share what's what the message they want to share. So as adults, we do need to step back a bit. We need to kind of cringe maybe a little bit, but have enough grace Uh, and enough kind of trust in the young people to let them just have a go at it and I think what's amazing and something that I've uh, looked at looked upon and seen many times is that children are great mimics and very quickly you'll notice that whatever they do will be a carbon copy of what you've done at all the other days beforehand and I can remember very clearly when my own daughter who was in the same school as I was teaching in she actually led worship with her friends and all the teachers around the sides were laughing because it was just me and I know she looks like me and sounds like anyway but it was literally like I was stood there but it actually was her so you know our children are watching they're observing and they're seeing what you're doing so you know don't worry And if a few bits go wrong, well, that's what happened. And it does happen to us as adults. You know, the the PowerPoint doesn't work or the sound doesn't work or you forget what you're going to say or the wrong person says the wrong line. That's life and that's worship. And it should be as natural and as joyful as that. So what I would say, first of all, is don't panic about it. Don't worry about it. Just get on and do it and enjoy it and go on a ride with them because it, it will get better like everything. So that's kind of what I would say to start off with. And I think you're right, Ryan, about investing time. Um, I can't really emphasise that enough. Um, If you want to start a group of people leaders, don't just go, right, who wants to be in the group? Right, let's meet next Wednesday, and then we're going to lead worship the following week. I actually, as part of the the book that you've just mentioned, which, again, I will talk more about the book in a moment, is um, I've created a pack of materials to help train worship leaders. And I say to my teachers, this could take you a couple of months because actually what you really need to do is invest in them, help them understand, well, what is worship? What actually is it? What in does it entail? What is it about? And what isn't worship? Let's do some observation. Let's do some discussion. Let's do some chatting. Um, and then actually talk to them about the different roles within worship that you know, I think it's really important for children to understand that being a pupil worship leader doesn't mean you have to be at the front speaking. And I think that's so important for our young people because there are some really gifted people who actually worship by welcoming people to worship, who worship through pressing the page down on the PowerPoint, who worship by being behind the scenes doing the planning, You don't have to be the upfront person and actually for for worship to work properly, you need all those people. And I think that's really important that our children understand that, that then that will encourage more people to be part of the group. So there's that. And I think it's just, it is about supporting your pupils as well with silly things like how to hold a microphone. If you use microphones, how to respond to a question from a child that isn't quite the right answer, you know, or, how to ask the next question or how to kind of incorporate all of your children in the hall. And it's a it's a tough thing having to lead worship to three, four hundred children. So, you know, by giving them those skills, allowing them to practice um, takes time. There's also in the pack uh, a process where I actually teach the children how to plan an act of worship. And it's amazing how many teachers have benefited from this as well. Uh, And it's basically where you read the Bible passage, you think about it, you reflect on what the words might be, and then what's the message behind it. And then you talk with each other about the message. Sounds a little bit like an RE lesson, I know, but this is, you know, we're thinking about worship. What's the message of that passage? And then Talk about it together. What's the message and how are we going to share that single clear message with the children that we're talking to? And then the children build their plan around, around that. So that takes time. You can't just rush it um, and yeah, invest in those young people. And that's why I often say year four or year five. Are a really good year group to start with because year six have other responsibilities and they by the time you've done all the training they've kind of gone off a little bit so start a bit younger and you get a bit longer with them and then they can then train up the next year so that's you know what else I would say really is yeah invest in the time and as an adult stand back it's a facilitation role not a teaching role and I think as teachers we, we naturally step in that gap so be quiet and facilitate is what I would say. So yeah, those are kind of where I would start um really as you think about pupil-led worship. Um but if I go back to the book, if that's all right, I don't know if you want to hold it up again, Ryan. Um, you know, I am really proud of this book and this. You know, this video and this conversation is not a plug for you to buy it um, at all. Uh, Obviously, you are welcome to. And there are other books available to help you with collective worship. But I am really proud of this book. But this book came about by accident, as many things do. Um, So really what happened was I had a group of collective worship leaders together. um, And I was just saying, you know, people led worship. You know, you just get the pupils to lead it and they were sort of looking at me going okay yeah okay just get them to do it and we had this kind of conversation about uh pupil led worship okay does that mean that I've got to resource it I mean I've got to do this I've got to do that and these poor teachers I could see them almost kind of glaze over as if to say that's another job that I've got to add to my list and you know It's easy that that line just says pupil-led worship, but what does it actually mean in reality? And some of my teachers that teach year five and six were a bit more confident and thought, okay, maybe we can get a plan together or a script. But I had some infant teachers there who were saying, well, if we're in infant school, we don't have year five or six. We've got year one and two and early years. So what does pupil-led worship look like with very little children? so you know what it does these kind of conversations play on your mind and you think what's going to happen and basically i thought well what does key stage one like oh a story they like stories so i wrote a story to help the children understand the pattern of worship what happens at each point and then some questions to help them explore it even more um, and i wrote it for key stage one And the Key Stage 2 teachers saw it and went, well, we want it as well. So it now it doesn't matter. All of those children um, are using the book. And they use it in stages. They use it as part of their training, their understanding of what worship is. Uh, And the pictures of William and Lucy, because they tell the story, really help children. And actually, it turns out a lot of teachers understand the pattern of worship and why in a church school, uh, Church of England school, we do what we do. Um, but the kind of the thing I think I'm most proud of really are the pictures and the pictures were created by my daughter, Annika, um, who is nearly 19 now. But she she created these pictures and she sat with me. There we go. On this cold, wet Sunday afternoon um, a few years ago. And I just said to her, can you do me some pictures? She was already drawing anyway. She draws all the time. And uh, can you do me some pictures? And the pictures have proved probably the most you know, the most used part out of the pack that you can get because um, many teachers use them to help plan worship because it's almost like a visual timetable. You can plan out who's going to do the Bible reading, who's going to do the drama, who's going to do the prayer, the sending and the gathering, you know, and who's going to do all the different parts. But they've also been so helpful for children who have got um, SEND or um, children with EAL, you know, who actually worship is quite an alien thing if you don't speak english a lot of the things that you do and say in worship can be a bit alien but by using these pictures teachers have really brought to life worship for them and they really understand why we do what we do it's not just lip service or just this pattern for the sake of it so you know that's where The book came from. Many of my teachers here in Canterbury are using it with their pupils, they use it as part of their worship leader training, but they're also using it lower down the school to help children just understand um, what worship is. So I don't know whether that's actually answered your question, but I think if you uh, at home are wanting to start up pupil leadership in your school, just go for it, don't be frightened, invest in the time, talk to your children about the structure of worship let them observe let them think and let them really have a go at planning um from the outset and just go for it have some fun and uh yeah release the reins a little is what i would say i've had to learn that the hard way
0: ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much rebecca and yeah i have certainly got a lot from from reading the william and lucy series and and yeah having that time to really invest and explore with pupils those key questions you know what is worship how Mm. could it be structured in that GERS framework Um, does everyone worship in the same way I think Mm. that aspect there really ties some of the golden threads which are emerging throughout this podcast series so far in that yes it's useful to have a clear structure but also people have different spiritual styles people have different spiritual temperaments and are we aware of that a in those who are present in worship but also for those who are leading and as you said you know you know for me it terrifies me to to think that I could stand in front of a whole key stage you know I'm, I'm my legs would be shaking but if <laughs> you give me the reading and to read you know I find that quite a powerful moment so yeah. it's thinking yeah each of those pupils um what are their strengths how would they like to worship and help facilitate rather than being your pupil leader therefore you have to be yeah. at the front and everyone's eyes are on you and yeah. You know, I've really been inspired by by many schools I've visited in the diocese and out. So they followed, you know, that kind of embedding process. And it becomes quite automatic now with those pupil yeah. worship groups. It might be called, you know, the worship warriors or, or something else, which is amazing. And it's just right, people, you know, this is our story. We're going to be looking at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And they're just being like, thanks, sir. Thanks, miss. We've got it from here. You know, they yeah. just, they get together Brilliant. they look at the text and they they design it. But that doesn't just happen. No, 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 children. no! It doesn't
1: just happen. No, uh, it takes definitely takes time. And I think um, going back to what you said about the spiritual styles, you know, as you say, not everybody likes to worship in the same way. So, to teach the children that are in your worship group about that—that that people like to worship in different ways—gives them some a uh, kind of creative spark that uh, in their act of worship that they don't have to have you know loud songs or lots of drama they could just have a moment of silence and stillness or they could have a picture of a river you know flowing along or it could be that they use drama you know it doesn't matter it it, just gives them that kind of creative license Mm. and I think they feel empowered because they're given such responsibility and they're empowered because they've been given this training and this knowledge and yeah it's brilliant for them where it's working like you've just said we've got pupils that are fantastic who just like you say go Yep, yeah, that's the story this is the message we're on it and you know that that you're in safe hands but that does take time and patience <laughs> time. and perseverance and a lot of grace for when it goes wrong <laughs> 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 definitely but it's great fun
0: yeah well, thank you Rebecca I know that many subject, um, you know collective worship leads teachers leaders will will take hearts when they think well actually yeah. The experience that I've perhaps had today I'm, I'm not alone you know I'm not yeah. alone and I've got a plan going forward so one final thing I'd like to ask is is there any other advice or wisdom that you'd like to share with colleagues?
1: Um, I've always got stuff to say you've only got to ask me once and I will tell you something because I like to chat I don't know if you've realized that but the advice that I've got for you um, really is this phrase that someone very wise said to me when I was a young teacher Be kind to yourself. And I think as um, when you are responsible for collective worship in a school, it's a huge job. And suddenly having to take on the leadership of a group of young people who are passionate and enthusiastic about leading worship is another thing to add to your to-do list. So what I would say to you is, is before you even start doing a group or whatever you're going to do, think about the practicalities when are you going to hold the group where how often how many children can you realistically manage and just really give some time to consider how it's going to work for you because you have got a huge load already so be kind to yourself and think about how can I make work because we want the children to feel really valued and there is nothing worse is there when you've set up a group And you go to meet for the first time and you get called away for a meeting or something else crops up and you can't make it happen. And those poor young people get so disappointed. So really think about the practicalities first um, before you embark on this huge, exciting journey. So, yeah, be kind to yourself, look after yourself and put yourself first for a change so that this group can work really, really well and have a huge impact on those young people that you're part of so yeah I could go on and on and on but that probably is the most important thing but the other thing that I want to say just kind of as we finish is please don't fear at any point that you have to have a group of pupil leaders Um, it needs to be right for your school your context and driven from your vision it shouldn't just be Siam says or Ryan says, or Rebecca has said, you should have pupil leaders. It should be that it's the right thing for your school. And it might be at the moment you're not quite ready for that, but do it. Whatever group you create, whatever children you bring together, whether it's from one year group or across the school, make sure it's the right thing for your school at the right time, because you want to uh, support pupils uh, in leading worship and just grow and develop your collective worship as a school so those are my two big bits of advice um that i really hope help you on your journey of yeah pupils leading worship enjoy it i would say
0: <laughs> great thank you ever so much rebecca it's been a joy to speak with you today and you know thank you for sharing taking the time to share your wisdom and experience with with leaders up and down the country so thank you ever so much
1: My pleasure is always a pleasure. I love talking collective worship. And uh, yeah, I just wish you all the best in, in whatever you do with collective worship in your schools, wherever you are. But thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for joining this episode of the Flourishing Together podcast. To receive updates on future conversations and access previous ones, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you for journeying with us and I hope that you can join us next time.